even if you're not in tech, please come to the community because you're always mm-hmm. welcome. Everybody's welcome. I'm Cami Chaos. And I'm Rick Terosi, and we are mildly interesting people. Uh, our job as mildly interesting people is to find folks who are far more interesting than us to introduce you to. They may not be familiar to you yet, but these are famous folks to us. So, Cami, who is our guest this week? This is an interesting one because this is an, a rare instance where there is somebody that I don't know, but that I know of. And then I was like, Rick, Rick, get her on the show. Rick, <laughs> get her on the show. Hey, Rick, get her on the show. Get her on the show. Because I thought she was super cool. Uh, and not just because I thought she was super cool. We have this uh, disconnect in Portland where we have a lot of people who talk about doing things and want to do things, but very few people who put through the effort to actively support their communities and do just as much as they plan. Um, and she's very much one of those people who I've seen execute on that. And it's a fantastic thing. But then to go into the layers and find out about her as a human, um, as a chef, as a boxer, as a bunch of other cool stuff that we'll talk about. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> I'm super excited. So anyway, <laughs> hi, I'm super chill. Everyone, I'd love to introduce you to our guest this week, Hazel Valdez. Hello, Hazel. Hello. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about being our wildly interesting person this week? I thought it was cool. Uh, yes. I've, uh, this would be my second podcast interview. The folks at PDX with, they're like, what do you mean you've never been on a podcast? I'm like, no, not a thing that's ever been approached by me. (laughs) But that's great. I love it. It's a new trend. We're adding to the trend. And we're just going to, now you're going to be podcasting all over the place. You're on podcasts. You're going to launch your own podcast. It's going to be from the podcast bazaar (laughs) or something. Yeah, my my own podcast might get me banned from things. It has to do <laughs> with food and sexual innuendo. So, you know, we'll mm, see. Huh. see <laughs> That's a I compelling saying, proposition. I was saying earlier that I don't listen to podcasts, but I might listen to that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hazel, I would love to hear from you. Like anybody, anytime anybody asks me like about PDX Wit, I'm mm. like, well, it's the it's the best professional organization that we have going in the community and you should definitely engage regardless of gender or whatever they're very inclusive so um (laughs) and they welcome everyone so i would just love to give you we don't like to focus a lot on work that people do but given that the work that you and the organization do is so critically important to our community would you just take a few minutes and describe pdx wit Sure. to folks and, and what sure. you do? Sure. So let's start with the mission of PDXWIT. Um, first of all, it's a nonprofit organization, a community nonprofit organization. And our purpose is to help make the tech industry a better place by creating access, dismantling inequities, and fueling belonging. In those three tenets, creating access means um for when uh, when PDX was started, it was about salary disparity between a lot of women who created a meetup group um, to talk about how they can bring that to light into the public eye. Um, and it's iterated now. Access is all about it, the actual word, access. So I had lunch today with a colleague where I told her I would have stayed a CS major had I had access and opportunity to say Saturday Academy to help me in my young age do learn, spark that curiosity to continue that learning path into a STEM career. Mm-hmm. Um, dismantling inequities. Inequities is a very big word. It's very broad in the sense that PDX would exist. It's all about really looking at organizations and, and corporations and, and, and their practices, their hiring practices, their, um, how, they, how they evaluate salaries, how, they, um, how C-suite always looks like a certain way, how the sales team right. looks a certain way um, versus what we're trying to say, 
hey, there's a bigger, wider world and pool of talent and ingenuity that you can all be part of if you open your eyes and really look at what diversity really means. Because it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't stop at diversity. And I know companies go, okay, we've got the token three. Yeah. Right. What the right. hell? Um, <laughs> and I, I'm like, I'm the token three, female, Asian, and lesbian. I win. You know? Oh, she's up. Up. Tell yeah. us she's boxes. won. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think PDX Wit really is about community and being able to provide resources to marginalized groups, to women, and or just bringing to light things about where you work or what you see on the daily to recognize the power dynamic that's happening and you're not, and you're not seeing it. So if mm-hmm. anything, if this performative actions that have been taking place over the last three years continue, well, PDX, what's going to be around forever? Because right. it's like, hi, remember us? <laughs> You know, hello, sponsors. I love you all. And thank you for being very transparent with me about your DEI journey as a company. So let's talk about what you're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been asked, how do you choose sponsors? I'm like, I don't choose sponsors. We talk about us. (laughs) Yeah, we talk to them. And I say things like, so what is it? What is your um, equity and inclusion practice for your people? Um, What does that look like? Some folks are like flat out surprised I even asked the question. Um, And when I say sponsor, yes, you're going to give us money. But really what I want is a relationship. I want you to be part. I want you to quite possibly think of writing a blog about your industry and what that looks like from an equity and inclusion standpoint. I've given the names of your people so that you might get contacted by our podcast team because we think your company is really cool. So PDX, what really is that, um, that place where even if you're not in tech, please come to the community because you're always Mm -hmm. welcome. Everybody's welcome. We've got a, a, here's the analogy I'm going to use because it says PDX wit. So the W means women. Okay. That was when it started. Now it's a little bit different. It's iterating again and iterating Mm -hmm. in a way that um, I'm saying everybody's in tech. Every company is doing some kind of tech work. So if we had to do a branding campaign, it would be something like that our interim ED had said, PDX, we are all in tech or we're in tech. Mm. Um, Or PDX, but could be professional development X workforce in tech. So, Mm. um, Wanting my goal as uh, the ED is to create critical pathways into tech careers. So that really actually means really broadening our scope to include as early as folks from, say, Mesa, Oregon, Saturday Academies of the World, into mm-hmm. um, the programs in the middle, the ACE program, um, ELSO, uh, you know, all sorts of folks to help them get prepared into tech. I'm excited that in the fall, we're kicking off a new program in conjunction with Portland State University, where we're going to take um, 12 soon-to-be graduating computer science um, folks um, and pairing them up with mentors as a higher, um, like a higher ed mentor program Mm -hmm. dedicated just for this cohort to start. It's the pilot one. Um, and then hopefully we get a grant to include all three of the mentor programs. So we have nice. higher education, uh, professional development folks, which is the lion's share of our, our mentor program now. And then the on-the-spot mentor service where the mentors work off of a, you know, a schedule like time yeah. slots. Um, yep. And then, but to, in today's society, the biggest thing is funding. So with sponsors, thank you to all the renewing sponsors. Thank you, new sponsors. We now have to introduce something that PDX would never really did, which is um, donor cultivation. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. It's a so PDX would was a very rare model, I thought, because every other nonprofit I've either been on a board at or know of or been a part of, it's donor cultivation, mm-hmm. whereas PDX would was corporate cultivation first. 
So it's new for us. I think um, it has created some really fun synergies where we have now a track called non-traditional paths into tech. So partnering with Dress for Success, Black Techs, PDX, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. all sorts of different folks um, in the summer. Oh, cybersecurity, privacy professionals being to always stay relevant in that capacity so that we know how to serve our community. Um, And at the end of the day, I get flack for this all the time. We are still a business, even Mm -hmm. if it's a nonprofit. So in as much as you want us to do this thing, I always ask, does it align with our mission? If it mm-hmm. doesn't, then it's a nice to have or it's not relevant to what we're trying to do. And really, at the end of the day, community focus is key to to PDX. What? Also, keeping that with a nonprofit, keeping on mission for the nonprofit is critical to maintaining your nonprofit status. So yes. That's, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you two could not have better spoon fed me for the direction I wanted to go in. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I feel like we're all at like this beautiful, harmonious place. I have seen, so we're in Portland. And for those of you who are not in Portland and don't know this, Portland is one of the whitest cities in America. Um, maybe the whitest city in America. And we are guilty of what I call white lady feminism all the time. Mm. Um I have noticed that with PDX wit, it's not white lady feminism. It's not even necessarily feminism. PDX wit is standing up for all underrepresented groups in technology. And as you pointed out, technology is pretty much everything. So what does DE&I look like? What does especially equity and inclusion look like in a program that is built around equity and inclusion? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, these are simple things that corporations can do. Uh, number one, if we're in, if I'm invited to be part of a panel, um, my first question is, who's on the panel? Um, ding, num- ding, ding. Number two, if we get asked to be part or collaborate in something, uh, the questions are, who are we impacting and what's the impact? Um, so, really always being balanced in how that we practice um, our, even in just our staff. Um, I'm a very big proponent on making sure that everyone's well-being is, is good. Uh, and mm-hmm. when you're a nimble staff of four, I mean, we're seven of us, but I have three contractors. Um, I got to remind them like, well, you, you can do PTO, you know, you work late, you can flex. Um, right. Uh, but it's things where equity and inclusion work is not an aside. It's actually in your DNA. So you don't even really have to think about it anymore. It's more that practice. So if we still, Crystal and I talk about this, we're at DEI 1.0. I don't think we'll ever get past 1.0 because just think about it from a, a corporation standpoint. Um, people come and go. And Crystal is teaching the same thing because she can't ever get to the next level. Um, And that's kind of how I feel about some of the equity work that we're doing. So to up level is really to not force the hand of a topic, but bring to light things like I think the last op-ed kind of we were, uh, well, well, we were rebutting a New York article that said that coming to work remotely versus in person was remote wasn't working. That's not true. Mm. Yes. Um, if anything, remote has given, say, the neurodivergent community, neurodivergent community, mm-hmm. an opportunity to be part of any discussion now, and and. I don't think people see that. Um, the idea that a hybrid work day or a hybrid workforce really is the way that we can move forward. You can have a fancy office, but if no one's coming to it because they proved to you in lockdown that they were working from home, mm-hmm. you need to rethink what that is just from um, the equity standpoint of that. Is it more you're paying... <laughs> you're paying the lease. Well, 
don't pay the lease then break the lease get out of it <laughs> you know i'm just you know it's a hey doctor it hurts when i do this well then don't do that don't do it yeah, right yeah. yeah um yeah it's it's and i i really worked with obi on this is DNA, our DNA. What does that look like? Um, what does it look like when we bring on new staff at PDXWIT? We have a, it's a blind resume. It's um, the scoring system. It's the the rubric is is set so that there's no hopefully no room for bias and. There are checks on, we ask somebody, a DEI expert, please review this because we're going to use this for this hire. Um, but I mean, I don't think those things are st- are being done. Some some people may, but uh, a fa- few, especially yeah. in this town. Because yeah. when you yeah. hear the phrase, I can't find any good talent out there. I'm like, obviously, you are using an algorithm that's just keeping all the talent out. And you're mm-hmm. out of touch with what's actually here and with a lot of the tech companies imploding um we have a lot there's of tech an talent. abundance yeah there's an abundance of talent because it's imploding because right yeah things are falling apart at the seams so that's what to, we tell you folks. have to be somewhere that yeah you have to be somewhere that people want to be though yeah so that well, might it, be yeah. their problem too <laughs> it might be their problem um i do think though that Portland, when all those riots and, and those fires happened, the press made it sound like Portland was just going to sink. Um, yeah. And it's bad because, I, I mean, I even tell my relatives, I'm like, it was a four blocks in downtown. Right. right. I can drive I, you there if you want. You know, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness. Um, and, yes, there were incidents. But in any city, there are incidents. So, how how do we i think we have a, a branding problem as a city yeah um mm-hmm. but we also have an infrastructure issue as a city forever and um, ever and 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 that i didn't know until i moved here i'm just like what's happening why aren't there um <laughs> i just ask silly questions and i'm a bleeding heart so you know <laughs> when i see houseless people it's like what? why this is right. not good um and now it's just ridiculous and mm-hmm. and then to those people out there who think they can fix Portland with money, I'd like you to help pick up some trash once. Just yeah. help do that and mm-hmm. shut up. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. And 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 so that part of my personality, I think it's not a rebel side. It's really an honest side to say as in PDX with, well, what are we doing? Because it doesn't sound like right. you're doing anything great right now. Um, and I think. I've done my share of walking away from some folks already uh, because the missions don't align and I'm okay Mm -hmm. with that. It sucks, but I have to stay true. Um, We just did our our Clifton strengths. So my biggest thing is I'm consistent. I'm a maximizer. Oh my God. Um, So I, I thought it was pretty telling to remind me also that I'm going to always stay grounded. Um, and what that means for me will help shape how I communicate. I, I'm not perfect. Um, our team, it's a whole new team. And these mm-hmm. past six months have been really great at, um, I've just been observing and learning. Um, we just did our first process improvement retreat. And gosh, I learned a lot more about each of them in a way that helps me ap- helps me appreciate their talent. They're there because not only are they dedicated to the mission, they're talented as F and I mm-hmm. love that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, when you get like seven overachievers, there's, it's kind of like, <laughs> a lot of juggling of things, but yeah. I, I, I do think that I'm also as the ED having to step back and say, okay, I think we're doing a little too much. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to actually um, create the 135 strategic plan because this year is what I call the re- reimagine year. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. part of that process improvement is really um, taking the necessary steps to have that benchmark of process and policy before I can actually say, so in the first year, we're going to do this. In the third year, we hope to be here. Then the fifth year, hope there's that. And my goal of still being national is still a thing for me. And it's not national in the way people think about it. It's not going to be chapter-based. 
it's more like just a region. So we would be the Pacific Northwest region. So that'd be mm-hmm. California, Oregon, Washington, and then there'd be Midwest folks and then back East folks. That's it. Um, and utilizing sponsors who have um, satellite offices or have their HQs there, but happen to also be in Portland, um, approach them with programming to say, hey, um, you know, we're thinking about doing this in the new year. What do you think about us doing it at your space in X virtually and or um, PDX mm-hmm. what can come out? Because we were going to do that with Autodesk before lockdown. Literally, mm-hmm. yeah. we were going to buy the tickets. And I think they still want to do it. So we want to try it in San Francisco. Um, mm-hmm. And then with AWS, I'm going to approach uh, one of our sponsors in, in Colorado to see nice. um, how nice. we can do that kind of programming. But it would be fun just to, you know, it's a try, trial and mm-hmm. error. I think that's mm-hmm. what leadership is half the time anyway. I think you're right. <laughs> Talk to me about how you go from being a trained chef, mm-hmm. the Cordon Blue baby, to being the executive director of PDX Women in Tech. It's such an two fields <laughs> like cuisine and technology are both hostile yes. environments <laughs> for women. They are pretend otherwise. And yet you seem to thrive in them. And I want to hear more about it because you're like kind of a superhero. So let's start with the culinary side of things. Um, Mm -hmm. I, when I was living in Phoenix, Arizona, um, I, at that time I had moved there from Southern California. I got picked up by a national physical therapy and occupational therapy network to run their networks for the country. So their Mm -hmm. headquarters was in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, My partner and I moved there because they also got a promotion and they needed to live in a state where their territory was. Mm -hmm. Um, She, she worked for Mazda corporation. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'd always thought about it as something like, Hmm, it would be cool to go learn it in our family, you know, Filipino, big Filipino families, lots of food, always was interested or more curious why it was in the Valdez household. The guys did the cooking um, Hmm. for big parties and then the women did some cooking, but it was like they were, I considered them front of the house. But I watched my uncle and my dad and a lot of my other uncles uh, cook together and I always was fascinated by that. By the time I was in Arizona, it was one of those moments where Okay, so I've done project management, I've done marketing, um, all these transferable skills I can do other things with. And I also, at that point, was also going through the breakup. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had um, got picked up by the Arizona Department of Health Services. So I worked in the Women, Infants, and Children's program, in the WIC program, um, administering social marketing. So what that meant was we were trying to study how women um, between 18 to 24-year-olds with three or more kids were surviving and what was the best method to um, disseminate the WIC program to them. How uh, were of, they surviving, though? That's it, they're, they're considered the 180% below poverty level. That's yeah. huge. Um, yeah. And... They weren't. A lot of them weren't. And the WIC program only did so much versus the SNAP program, very different program. Yeah. Uh, the WIC was more, was stricter. And there are really aspects of that program that are wonderful, like introducing moms to um, the farmer's market, doing your grocery shopping, using your mm-hmm. farmer, those dollars towards that. Um, and in between doing, learning how to do that, going through a breakup, another part of me was still always thought about it over the years. I should do culinary school. I'm just curious at this point. Um, So I I considered going to culinary school as my midlife crisis. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard heard less healthy um, decisions made. That's amazing. There's a a book called The Sharper the Knife, the Less You Cry. I've forgotten who the author is. And if you read that book, if you ever pick up that book, it really chronicles not the breakup part of this woman's life, but the um, change in careers and why. And the title makes sense because if you've ever cut onions before, you know that the gases will make you tear up. 
And in culinary school, the biggest thing is always have sharp knives because we learn how to cut and we learn how to cut fast. The faster we cut, the less we have to deal with that uh, BS of crying kind of thing. (laughs) Um, So I entered, but I was also full-time at Arizona Department of Health Services. So here, my Mm -hmm. schedule, uh, I woke up at 5.30 to make it to work by 6.30, to be out of work by 3.30, get home, take a power nap of 30 minutes, shower, be in my school uniform, and be in class by 5.30. Wow. And then do that 5.30 to about 11, depending on if it was in class or clinical, and then just do that again for two and a half years. So I took a two-year intensive to also um, make it a BA versus just uh, an associate's or a certificate mm-hmm. degree, which you know, in, in the world of the in the food and beverage industry, it's very chaotic. In in a kitchen, it's very much chaotic, but we all have a role to play. Um, I always talk about uh, folks who always ask me, what do you think about culinary school, having gone through it? And, and because I want to do it. I'm like, really? You do? Have you ever been in the army? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, here's why I say that. Uh, if you've ever heard the term, the line, what's the line? Here's the pass. Um, mm-hmm. And then if you look at a chef's jacket. So the history of that jacket is that um, at any given point, if I unbutton it and fold it, it looks like a military jacket. That's on purpose because whenever the Turkish wars or whatnot, those cooks became soldiers at, at some point as well. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they would just pull them out and, and do that. And so I'd explain this to someone and then I'd ask them questions like, do you like having 10 things juggling at the same time and knowing <laughs> when to put it down or to fire it or to start cooking it? to pull it and then to get it to the pass. And mm-hmm. and I explained that in terms of like, just think, for example, a project. How do you work out a project to get to your end goal? In our case, it's being able to serve the customer. Um, in your case, it's probably pushing code out to fix a problem in your whatever thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to thinking about that and thought, oh, wait a minute. I do do a lot more project management than I thought. I did it before. Mm-hmm. And and then that's kind of when, around that time, I finished culinary school. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot of things. I absolutely, um, I can say that I, I love the technique of French cooking. I use mm-hmm. the things I've learned to do other types of cooking. Um, and that also gives me a different perspective of how you attack a, a project, per se. Now, again, in California, I was a marketer, got picked up by a healthcare company to run a network um, throughout the country. And then, oh, <laughs> let's just go to culinary school while <laughs> teaching moms how to eat healthy and kids how to eat healthy. Right. The, the cool part about that part of my life, um, professional life, was when it was time for me to have an externship, Arizona Department of Health Services said, hey, you know what, since you're part of the WIC program, let's get you part of the um, under the farmer's market program. And would you mind, um, I wrote it up, giving us an idea of how you could use your culinary skills to help this program. So what we did was I went around the state teaching little kids how to eat healthy and introducing um, salad bars along with the programs within DHS that were paid. We were getting paid to initiate these programs throughout the schools in Arizona. And that was a lot of fun. Um, I learned a lot. And then I used that to kind of benchmark what level, how much more can I take on in that capacity? So it was, you know, let's do some catering on the side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, so, but the the fun the funny part about that was while in school, our chefs also did catering on the side. So I went and um, mm-hmm. they would invite. It's only by invitation. Thank God I was invited to a few of them because I under I I got to learn how that worked in the system, so to speak, in that system. And then um, I I did that, and then I graduated. And when I graduated, I was still at DHS, um, and 
I got picked up by a corporate um, culinary conglomerate. Um, you'll know uh, Sodexo. Uh, okay. so, hmm. or yep. um, their competitor. And Sodexo is a French company, believe it or not. Oh. Um, and I'm, they picked me up as a general manager. Uh, hmm. So I ran three restaurants. Um, and that was interesting. Um, you know, as the executive chef and the GM, there's a fine line between you're actually cooking versus you're actually just managing. Yeah. Right. And I, I used to tell my classmates in culinary school, you realize that when you get to the management level, this mostly goes away. The food that you love to do, not anymore. Now you're going to have to deal with your cost percentages and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that and eh, it was okay. It wasn't, um, I think what I wanted to accomplish was learning the technique and understanding the um, impetus of what the culinary, a true culinarian, if you followed that path. Like, I would really, if I had started earlier in my life, I would have mm-hmm. probably been in the culinary world more so than I am now. Um, but then, you know, things like, mm, well, now I got to get a real job because I really don't <laughs> like this. Um, <laughs> And that's kind of around the time I met Crystal, my wife. Um, She lived in Sedona. I lived in Phoenix, about an hour and 20 minute drive. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was, it was just, I think uh, timing was really good. When I met her, um, I didn't realize that she was from Washington and she wanted to come back to, Mm -hmm. to, uh, back to Portland. So that was always Mm -hmm. a dream to come back to Portland. I vacationed here. Um, and loved it so much. Three of our, my other friends, they came before I was able to make it here. Like from a financial standpoint, we were all supposed yeah. to come here together. That didn't work out um, because of my breakup. I went to school. I did all these things that kind of yeah. prevented me to come over here. And then when I got here, I'm like, all right, well, I'll give my, uh, I knew it was a foodie town. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize the competition level or the types of, barriers i think i want to call them that yeah. so what i did mm-hmm. was um i just went around town asking folks you know if they were hiring and if they were uh i i didn't want to be a line cook i wanted to stay back at that management level because i knew that um that's where i need to pay bills i'm sorry yeah. but I, I will not yep. i won't work for 11 dollars an hour don't well, be sorry about that that's i uh it's, yeah. it's ridiculous and um Come to find out, like, it that wasn't really going to happen. And then so I decided, well, I have some social, I have a social media background at this point. So what I did mm-hmm. was just go around to the smaller mom and pop shops and introduce them to the idea that, hey, if you want to bring me on as a consultant, you don't technically need to pay me a lot. You can just pay me in food trade. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, we're okay with that. Um, and showing them how to use social media in a way that, allows them to market themselves more because I really think um, any business for, they always forget marketing. They yeah. really, really do. Yep. And yep. I, I, my base professional life is marketing. So mm-hmm. always a marketer, find a need and fill it kind of scenario. Um, so I did that for a little bit, wasn't working out and, you know, Crystal and I, we really needed to find jobs. Thankfully, Crystal's yeah. contacts, um, she worked in the hotel industry out here bef- uh, before leaving and mm-hmm. got picked up again. So she managed the, the, um, a loft by the airport. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So she managed the restaurant, uh, the, the bar and then the front and, you know, uh, she was the front office manager. So she mm-hmm. managed all of that. Um, from that, I got picked up. Are you ready for this? Oh God, Sir Latab. <laughs> I, I am what they called. They called us talent, the chef's talent, and like paying us thirteen twenty-five an hour. Calls me. Oh my God, <laughs> talent! You are the talent, though. Um, I am. Uh, the, yes, on this show, I'm the talent. Yes. But you were the yeah. talent too. That's yeah. the talent. Oh it my was God. hilarious because I'm teaching these millionaires how to use their stove. Mm. I'm like the. the, the if you wanted to see like obscene amount of uh, ignorance in terms of your level of privilege, 
Wow. <laughs> I'm like, OMG. And, you know, I'm just have, trying to do this with a smile. And then as, as talent and in that capacity, because it's still retail, you were supposed yeah. to passively sell things. Right. So all the gadgets, I, we'd show up, we have to set up everything for all the, the guests coming through. Um, and then I put all these special gadgets that I'm going to preview for them while I'm teaching them how to cook. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I hated that. It's like, <laughs> you know, the, the garlic press where you put the garlic in and you press it. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what? What? I I've never I've used one once and then I was like how do you clean this and it's yeah it's silly you need yeah. a toothbrush you just- um so what I did was I for I, I I tend to always forget that they they had it at their station so I would show them the I would tell them the story uh, and it goes like this you know when you're having a bad day at work and you need to take something out on something you take your garlic <laughs> and you're gonna cook right because you're about to make dinner and you're not really into this but you really need to crush this garlic so i give them that old method of here lay it flat and crush the shit out of it yeah Um, uh and and then it kind of got me in trouble so i had to change (laughs) my spiel of how to sell that you use this i'm like uh yeah Yeah. and then you know at 1325 an hour not sustainable so right Right. Um, and I, I'm guessing 1325. I'm guessing that garlic press costs more than 1325. <laughs> yeah, it was almost. It's actually twelve dollars. <laughs> um, so I decide. Well, Crystal and I knew that we, you know, her solid income is good, but I really need to help out more. And um, yep. Asian guilt kicks in. And if you identify <laughs> your life like I did back then uh, with my profession, and this is bad. This is, I'm, I'm getting hitting rock bottom right here. Um, yeah. I started looking at uh, different jobs where I started thinking about what are things that I, I can use that is transferable. And I'm like, what? Social media is a huge thing. Let's yeah. do that. So I got picked mm-hmm. up by this um, now defunct um, website company. And all I did was manage the develop. Well, I helped with them. I managed developers overseas. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what we did was we built websites for private practices to, in order to comply with the HIPAA compliance mm-hmm. on the back end. All right. Easy enough to do. I came from a healthcare background that my marketing stems from a healthcare background. I understood all about HIPAA, went through all the HIPAA training when it was rolled out, blah, blah, blah. I aged myself right there just by saying HIPAA in that capacity, <laughs> but cool. Um, and so that's what I did. And it was fine. I, I came on just as a marketing manager and then um, I started managing more. And then I start, then I got the owner said um, he wanted to promote me to the director of marketing and operations. Okay, cool. Um, good place to be. Sadly, it was a startup with not a really great plan, Rick. Oh my God. Mm, this weird. guy. I this, never see that. A medical yeah. startup without a good plan. <laughs> oh my God. Um, this guy uh, was more into giving himself a name than mm-hmm. actually doing the work. So he had all, all of us do it. Yeah. Um, and at and then I got went once he let go the salesperson, and it was a very heated discussion in the other room that I could hear. Um, I'm like, "Oh, it's time to go. It's time to find a new job." <laughs> and then he calls me in, and this is what I kid you not. This is what he said. So Hazel, I'm gonna be leaving for Brazil in a couple of weeks. I'm going surfing, so you can handle running the company, okay? <laughs> hmm. I mean, you already pick up the mail. That's not running a company. I know nothing about the books. Hello. I know where they are. I know what I see. But like, what are our receivables? What are our payables? And he just he just naturally assumed that it would be okay. Oh, just just deposit the checks. You'll I'll pay you. Blah blah blah. Like, no. Hmm. All right. <laughs> so um, at that point. He's then he it comes to the day he's flying at that point like I need to go get a job like a, I gotta get out of here, um, and it, the timing was really good because approved, olds mm-hmm. approved, um, yep. was hiring customer success managers so it's managing mm. clients managing the software so go learn software go teach clients how to use software manage their expectations soft sell when you can 
Okay. Yep. All, all yep. things, doable things. I got picked up. He lands in Brazil and I timed it so that as soon as he lands, I press send with my resignation. <laughs> I'm out. He calls me. He goes, is it because I left? I'm like, dude, it's your company. <laughs> What the? of everything that led up to this point, dude. Wow. Yeah. So that's how I stumbled into basically necessity. Um, and it, it, I guess it's always a good thing to have some extra skill sets. Mm-hmm. You never know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's how I stumbled into tech. Worked at Zapprove from Zapproved, got picked, um, uh, went to PDX with, and then helped that in its early stages from a process standpoint, build the mentorship program. And then at that time, things were really pretty good. Um, Then lockdown Uh, and, you know, pivoting to a virtual world, something thought of as, oh, it's a nice to have, but now is now actually the it thing to do. Um, I did that, but then I realized uh, is there anywhere else to go? Because Elizabeth Stock wasn't going to be leaving anytime soon. And, and Elizabeth yeah. and I are good friends. We talked about it in the past. Um, what's my next level of you know professional development? Yep. And it was kind of it. That was it. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I was kind of, you know, and lockdown forces you to think a lot about a lot of different things. I must say that. So much thinking. So many things. So much thinking. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. Oh. You would think that we'd come out of that with better ideas and better <laughs> no, leadership. No. And oh just, God, just no. wallowing, yeah, just spinning and regressing wallowing to constantly. 1950 yeah. all over again. Yep. Um, yep. The one thing, the one thing that we got out of the pandemic, though, cocktails delivered to your home. I'm just yes, saying, that, was is, true. True. that was true. This is true. Pretty special. That was yeah. innovation right there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then being able to reach other people in other states by way of Zoom. So the the yeah. Yeah. Like from PDX with standpoint, we were able to reach out more. And I was able to, um, even while I was still there, we were able to, like, we did a uh, an event, a virtual event with people that were in Papua New Guinea, Australia, and Hawaii. And mm-hmm. then we had people, I had mentors now in New York and Chicago. So it, that part, that was probably its redeeming quality, <laughs> if anything else. Um, and then from there... Um, I just decided I, I I need to go if I really want to, and I don't know if anyone ever wakes up to say I want to go learn how to be an executive director. <laughs> That's me. Um, what am I going to do this week? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> and then we went. So I decided um, the timing was also good. I was approached by a board member of the OBI. Uh, mm-hmm. to let me know that there was an associate director open role. It's a good way to get your foot in the door to learn, you know, and sh- shadow and watch what Heather Ellis is doing at the OBI, which was wonderful, yep. and also help them build uh, some kind of equity and inclusion program that they can sustain after mm-hmm. X. Um, and so Renee's done a wonderful job with that um, this year. Um, and then the PDX WIT role came up. I'm like, wait, what's happening at PDX WIT? Seriously. Yep. It's April. What's happening? And, um, you know, I found out that there's a leadership change. Elizabeth Stock is resigning, which was like mind blown. Why? First of all, Mm -hmm. Um, and had a good heart to heart and understand what was um, happening. It's kind of like um, and I I do this still uh, because for whatever reason, I'm very drawn to the entrepreneurial world, more so now having been with OBI. Um, Treating PDX with as a startup organization and that we have um, things that we look toward or, or we're up leveling so that, quote unquote, we can get to a series A or a series yeah. B. So I'm teaching the team that kind of thinking um, because this year when I came in, discovered a lot of fun things that needed to be reimagined. <laughs> um, and I. And, and, and when I say reimagined, I think what I was disheartened about was in the two years I was gone, I I had hoped some things progressed in terms yep. of process and policy. Yep. Um, and maybe that seven months that where there was the leadership was the board and the board, they all have their own jobs kind of thing. Um, where did it 
it, there's just a lot of misalignment. So, yeah. so that's, you know, that, that's the long and short of how I went from culinary <laughs> to tech. Really? You answered every question that I might have rebounded with, except one. <laughs> which one? Except one, uh, uh, which is not related to technology, but it takes us back to the beginning. Did you ever figure out why it's all the men in your family that are doing the cooking and no. not the women? Mm-mm. No, and, and it's okay because I think now it's, no, I, yeah, I think it's flipped. If anything, I think it's more 50-50 now because my cousins and I look at my brother, my other brother and his wife and their kids, my sister, their kids, uh, the ones who are also married. It's almost an even thing. The youngest nieces and nephews, uh, one just started university. The other two, uh, one is going to finish in the uh, uh, next year and the youngest one is only going to be in eighth grade um Mm -hmm. but from joaquin i will say is probably learning from his dad my brother uh the value of hard work and what that actually means for you as you get older because my Mm -hmm. brother has a car wash business on the side and i always got a hustle yep um and i see joaquin having to go with him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> here's him holding a, a power washer <laughs> Just like, thrilled to be there dad um, thanks yeah so in, in a, and, and really what I think the biggest part for me was just from my midlife crisis to really understanding where I fit in all of this and when I say fit it's more of my level of being at being um, mm-hmm. and yep. I'm there. I'm learning a lot now. Um, shout out to all the EDs in the nonprofit world. I feel your pain, folks. I feel your pain. <laughs> um, funding is shrinking like no other. And the grant cycle is very much, um, I think it also needs to be disrupted somehow. I just don't know what yet. Agree. Yeah. So I was afraid this was going to happen. We've gotten to the point where it's time for mildly interesting questions, and we haven't gotten to talk about half of what I wanted to talk about, including Molly and Denise. Oh, yeah. Uh, and boxing and uh, Italian. So oh. we're just going to have to invite you back. On yeah, show. I started my Italian language class last night. I'm so excited. I was so happy. I'm also right. one of the youngest people in that class. Oh, literally. Someone was sleeping. I'm like, okay, Zoom. There, There is an off-camera button, folks. Turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to mildly interesting questions. Sure. Um, but yeah, this is the, the official notification that Rick will be bugging you to get you back on the show. <laughs> Your because, warning. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because you were a successful, a, a successful podcast guest. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Question number one: the new questions that Hazel oh, hasn't heard no. yet. What one habit would you like to pick up over the next year? That learning that new language. Yes, learning yeah. Italian. Learning Italian. I suspected that that might be it. Okay, question number two. And I think I know the answer to this one too. But would you rather know a little about a lot of different things or a lot about one thing? Mm, oh my god have you met me um i i I, I, I would i would like to know a lot about one thing versus what i am now master uh master what is it jack of all trades master of none none. yeah Yeah. i don't mind it it's very interesting my mom still doesn't understand what i do for a living so it's cool she really doesn't um my parents understand what i do for a living either rick you (laughs) Yeah, yeah, kind of. Not really, though. Uh, Question number three. What do you need from the grocery store? Like right now or just in general? Yeah, what do you need? (laughs) Oh, some toothpaste. Just like what's on the list? Toothpaste. Toothpaste. Nice. Mm -hmm. Toothpaste. Okay, question number four. This one you'll recognize. Would you like to survive the zombie apocalypse? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Building up my Portland survival team. Yeah, there's awesome a whole humans, conversation awesome in the our, our boxing gym. We we have a whole plan. <laughs> yes. 
you now you now have an executive chef for your camp. I'll be I'll be <laughs> prep or sous chef. So Hazel can be the executive chef for that. This works. This works. We have a yes. doctor. We have uh, someone who can sew, who cooks. Um, I think we have a carpenter now. It's pretty cool. This is awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to roll this die. Okay. And whatever number comes up, I'm going to look at my spreadsheet and I'm going to ask you that number of question one through 20. Okay. And we are going with question number three. Okay. Three. Gosh, that's, is that yeah, three? There you yep. got it. Yeah. Yep. There you go. There. It's a three. Okay. Question number three. Oh, what one television show from your childhood do you remember most fondly? Gilligan's Island. Oh, huh. that's a great one. That is a good one. What was it about Gilligan's Island that made it joy for you? It was so, um, what is the word? Um, it, 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 it wasn't funny. It was the premise of it was interesting. It's like, yeah. really? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and then I thought Gilligan was a hoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep. All right, Rick, we've reached yes. the end where you get to wrap this all up and put a pretty little bow on it. Cool. Well, um, Hazel, as always, it's it's been too long since we've been in the same room together. Mm-hmm. I was really excited that you agreed to join us here. Cammie hasn't had the chance to meet you until now, but has always been a huge fan of what you've been doing. I've long been a huge fan of you and enjoyed getting the opportunity to work alongside you and watch not only work alongside you, but watch you work and watch how your work not only impacted coworkers, the environment, but really the community at large. And we are incredibly lucky to have you leading such an amazing organization already, but with you clearly prepared and visionary to take it to the next level. So thank you for the work you do. Thank you for taking the time to spend with us out of your busy schedule. And we will probably beg you to come back to talk more cooking and boxing and other things at some point in the future. Well, you're welcome. Um, Thank you for all the support you've given us, Rick. I think over the years, I've learned a lot from you as well. And um, the new cohort's interesting. I'm just going to let you know that now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, if anything else, um, thank you for giving me your platform to talk about our our organization and and sharing some things with you and Cammie. I would love to talk more about boxing and food and tell you about our apocalypse plan at another time. Yes. Um, Yes. So we're totally uh, i'm totally open for that so thank you for having me i really appreciate you inviting me and if there's anything that rick or i or mildly interesting people can ever do for pdx wit please let us know because i remember like sitting and watching the telethon and having a good old time and just yeah we're we're here for you if there's anything we can do to support thank you appreciate it and I love your show. Just saying, even if you, yeah, I just love your show. It's the best. I remember when it came out, I'm like, what is Rick doing now? Who's that that lady? I'm like, who's that lady? I'm that lady. I know. (laughs) It's a good thing. Cool. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye, Thanks everyone.